0: Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Here to talk all things Arsenal is your host, Matthew Wade. Hello again, listeners, and welcome to another Daily Canon weekly podcast. It's, uh, well, perhaps not as positive as the last podcast, even though the last one was after the Manchester City defeat, but this one's after the Nottingham Forest defeat. Uh, and looking forward to a League Cup semi-final against Liverpool FC, land of uh scientific anomalies when it comes to medical testing uh to join me talking about all these things is paul williams how are you paul
1: yeah not too bad mate not too bad thanks for having me
0: <laughs> a pleasure as always to have you uh so yeah uh cracking straight into it not Forest cup game um i mean what we obviously is a very disappointed performance and a disappointing defeat uh, what did you make of it? Um, obviously, <laughs> heavily changed side, missing some key pillars. I mean, what are your initial takeaways about And, and then we'll go a bit deeper on that okay. one.
1: Well, first of all, I feel like I should po- apologise to every Arsenal fan out there because it's, this is all my fault. It's nothing to do with the players. It's nothing to do with Mikel Arteta. Uh You might remember that four years ago, we played Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup at the city ground and suffered a similar defeat. And I spent that weekend in Leeds. And uh, (laughs) guess where I've just spent the weekend? Um, So I watched the game in my hotel room, um, which is quite nice. Just spent the day chilling out in the hotel. And... um, uh, well, to be honest, I mean, there's been a few of these down the years. I think the first one that I remember as an Arsenal fan is Wrexham in 1992. Um, 30 years Mickey ago, Bloody Thomas, that, yeah. Of course. But coming in from football and turn, I was playing football that afternoon and I came in from football and the first thing I did was turn the radio on to hear news of Arsenal being dumped out of the FA Cup by the team that's finished bottom of the the entire Football League. Uh, the season before, and of course we were the champions at the time. Um, and I started laughing, and I think that's basically <laughs> where I got to with this game on Sunday, where it was it was so bad that there was it wasn't worth getting cross about. For me, I just I just found it quite funny. I do think um, there are a couple of mitigating factors in there, i.e., the central midfield of Lukonga and Patino, who've clearly never played together. Patino, that was his first start uh, for Arsenal in the first team. Lukonga, we haven't seen much of in the last couple of months, so I think there was some mitigation there. Um, Rob Holding and didn't have a good game at the back and then Tavares obviously got hooked half the half now an and actually I thought just having burnt their no in goal they made a couple of really good saves um, the distribution from the back wasn't great and ultimately what that game ended up looking like uh, was so many Arsenal performances towards the end of t- 2020 which mm. was a little bit confusing
0: <laughs> well I mean I think that one of the immediate things we have to take away from it is it <laughs> very starkly showed the impact of this summer's transfer business because only a couple of those players were playing, well, three of those players were playing, but Tavares as a, as a reserve. But you know there was um, n- no Tomiyasu whose impact had been massive, and no Ramsdale, whose impact has also been massive, and that automatically they were replaced. The two players that replaced them. I mean, Leno's a good goalkeeper, but they're two players that cannot do what those two players do. And they cannot yeah, yeah. bring the balance that those two players have brought to the side. Um, obviously, Holding, we've we've long known he's not to the same standard as Gabriel. And I think his issue is he really wants to make it work. And he's, and he's really tr- trying to play more like... defenders who are keeping out the team but unfortunately that's not his skill set so i mean he was really trying to bring the ball out and play passes out and be a bit more adventurous um but he's just not as technically adept at doing so as them and is more likely to get caught in a disadvantageous position um if that doesn't work uh quite apart from the fact that obviously he and a number of the players that came to the team were had, oh, we haven't played in a few weeks, itis. um <clears throat> you know, in, in the absence of some Europa League farmers to keep the squad players fit against, you really saw the impact of people not playing. Um, I mean, all the players that came in, perhaps bar Leno, I suppose performed at a level below what you'd have expected from them under the circumstances. You know, obviously Patino gets a pass because he's never played a professional, you know, he's never started a professional match before. Um, and it was, you know, uh, Forrest, very tactically astute, quite physical in midfield. And he looked a bit lost, you know, uh, uh, which is hardly surprising. Uh, Normally, when we blood these kind of kids in the League Cup, it's and get some nice juicy third-round League Cup home tie against the, the team a couple of divisions below who aren't playing very well, as opposed to Forrest who under Steve Cooper have, have really turned things around, and he's showing again that his what he achieved with Swansea was absolutely no fluke, uh, because Forest were very well organised um, and and looked like they knew exactly what they do were doing. And of course, quite apart from being rusty, the players that came in can't do what the things they were, the things that the players they replaced can do. As I've as I've mentioned, um, and we've taken a big leap forward recently in terms of the way the team's playing, the way it's found a sort of certainty of approach and purpose. And of course, we are still full, a squad full of players who were built. Bought or developed with a completely different idea in mind, <laughs> and uh, not up to snuff at that level, um, essentially. And, and also, you know, uh, if he well, there's no there's no comparison for having played, and, and a lot of these players haven't played in a long time. Before we sort of go a bit deeper, what did you make of the Laconga substitution? Not the Laconga, the um, Nuno Tavares substitution, because obviously that was a significant talking point.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, so I was on a call with my mate, so we were chatting and I wasn't, so not really listening to commentary or anything like that. And I just assumed he was injured, to be honest. I was like, oh, right, okay. Um, And then obviously it became clear that that wasn't the case. Um, I think, I think it's, you look at it now and say it's quite, it was a harsh decision, bearing in mind the performance of the rest of the team. Um, But and, but I don't think it's entirely out of character for Arteta to do something like that. I mean, I remember the... Was it Manchester United we played last season where he took Martinelli off at halftime? Yeah obviously, yeah. obviously, obviously this was 10 minutes before that, so it's a little bit earlier. And, you know, first-half substitutions, are, you know, they do feel quite brutal when they happen for reasons other than injury. Um, but... I guess Arteta felt that he needed to change something, but obviously that was... I mean, the back pass that Tavares did to Leno was, uh, had echoes of Lee Dixon to it, didn't it? Um, yeah, I, I think in in retrospect, you look at it and say, well, maybe that wasn't the right thing to do, but I think in the moment, Arteta obviously did feel it. you know. I'm not someone that thinks Mikel Arteta is above questioning Um, um, as you know um, but I just think in this case I understand that he was trying to shake the team up a little bit but it it didn't work
0: yeah I mean a lot of people have been trying to sort of create stories of a rift or kind of uh, Arteta's dictatorial (laughs) vibe Um, but I, I mean there was two things kind of leapt out for me one I thought Tavares did some okay things, but also had a lot of moments where he was just showing a bit of a lack of being mentally in the game. You know, he's a player that's got so much ability, but it's something that he struggled with the times at Benfica is a consistency of focus, a little bit of the Ainsley disease mm. of, of, you know, there's a player there that leaves you frustrated because if they were just more consistent, you know, within each minute of the game, you'd you'd be much more happy with their output. And there was just a lot of little sloppy bits. Uh, And obviously it doesn't help if you're doing sloppy things and showing that your head's not really in the game when you are running on the touchline directly in front of the coach (laughs) who's shouting at you and you're still not doing what you're told. Um, But I I think it was also because if you wanted to change it, you know, There was a really limited number of players he could take off because of who was on the bench yeah you know the bench was so sparse You could you you know if you wanted to bring on someone to add some bollocks it was either bring on lacazette or bring on tierney and with eddie and being (laughs) being attempting to entice him to sign a new contract hauling him off after half an hour for his first you know his first game outside of a league cup in bloody ages probably wouldn't have gone down too well. Um, so it was Tierney or bust, really, uh, if he wanted to shake, some, shake something up. And I, I, like you, think there were two or three that could have gone off. But also, you know, he's not going to take Patino off half an hour into his first ever game, even though that may, even though with different options, that may have been the most sensible approach from a purely one game in isolation viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So like you, I think, there, you know, we could all see that something wasn't right with the team, the way it was performing. Um, very few players came out of the game with any credit at all. And he tried something. And I uh, mean, Cooper actually said for Forrest that Tierney coming on, meant they had to make some tactical changes because he was causing them problems just with the positions he was taking up and, the, and the, the timings of things. So, you know, there was obviously something seen there beyond just a sort of pull your socks up as well. Um, but I'm, I'm sort of loath to make a mountain out of that molehill. I think.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that, and I think you know, Tavares had um, pretty poor uh, game up at Anfield and stayed in the team. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't think it's a case that Arteta's, binned him off or anything like that. He just made a change and look, yeah, as we were saying, trying to trying to shape the team into some kind of life and it it just didn't work at all I mean it, I the the one thing that I think with Arteta whatever's gone on with Ainsley mate, and, I was, and I'm not going to sound like a broken record on this uh, to go to an away cup tie, tie like that and have to play Charlie Patino because he's the only option we've got in central midfield when you've just let Ainsley go on loan literally the day before the game surely we could have kept him just to play in that game Um I mean, that was my initial feeling, but I don't know if it's that simple, if, if
0: I'm honest. Because, oh, okay, go on. Well, simply that for the deal to have taken place when it did, it must have been in the pipeline for a good while. And uh, we know that Roma were making lots and leaking lots of things to the press as in, like, if you don't do it this week, then I'll pull out and do something else. You know, classic Mourinho bollocks. We know that Ainsley has been desperate to get out the door and I just reckon the way that it's panned out is that he, a promise was made to him. And then when, and Roma probably expressed an interest before the transfer window opened, and there was a kind of agreement already in place. Mm. And it probably would have been quite difficult for Arsenal to renege on that agreement. Yeah. by the time it came round
1: I just um, I mean I think there's so much of what happened on Sunday evening that to me at least was about having this really really raw central midfield pairing yeah yeah oh, no, so- I know um, and I think perhaps if you had Partey next to Patino it wouldn't have been as bad it probably wouldn't have been as bad with Jacker next to Patino um, but the fact that we've had Lukonga, who, as I said earlier, we've not really seen since November, despite having had some really good games for us when he has played, yeah, um, it just, I think, exacerbated an issue. Um, but <laughs> I remember saying to the guys after about half an hour, I was like, oh, cool, we haven't started very well, have we? <laughs> and, um, yeah, even as I said it, I felt well, I'm understating that quite dramatically. Um, it just, we just didn't ever really look like getting going. Like I said earlier, the the sideways. I mean, I haven't seen Arsenal play as many side-to-side static passes as that for a very long while. And, you know, as you said earlier, it does speak to the strength of the summer recruitment that Arsenal haven't, you know, we've not seen a performance like that from Arsenal really. this year. I know there's been the odds very wobbly performance, but not really like this one, I don't think.
0: Yeah, and I, I think there's I think another factor that may have come into play, you know, particularly with players like Tavares, um, obviously for Bettina it'll be a shock because it's his first game at this level by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, people like um, Laconga as well, you know, they and I don't want to make an over an overarching generalisation there, but until you've played a cup game away at a lower league team or watched a lot of them in England, if you're coming from another country, you just don't have, you don't know what it's like because we all know that in other countries, the, the other countries' cup competitions are not remotely comparable to the FA Cup, you know, within Europe. You know, the big teams go in place and play some poor bloody minnows, smaller division teams for the most part in non in the outside of the English league tend to be tiny budgets, tiny stadiums, you know, uh, a, a crowd may tries to make a bit of noise for a bit, but they're just, the, the gulf is too big. Whereas in England, you know, the gulf really isn't that big, you know, in terms of the top of the championship and 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 the Premier League teams. Uh, and it's a much, much different experience. And I think it's probably quite easy for players who've only you know who've grown up in a very different footballing culture to not quite anticipate what they're letting themselves in for with that kind of experience and the FA Cup's always different to the League Cup as well the League Cup is you know League Cup lower league teams are more likely to throw if they're chasing promotion or whatever but the FA Cup is one that that's a different kettle of fish so I think that there might be a little element of that um who knows um but, yeah, I mean, the, the problem is the primary issue was central midfield. Uh, I agree with you that I wanted Ainsley to stay for it, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought it must, particularly as Ainsley start, literally started for Roma on the same day, I think, shows how done that deal was, how much he was out the door. Yeah. Um According to the Italian press, he had a nightmare against Juventus as well. But that's <laughs> playing at right back, which he uh. hasn't done for a while. Um, so yeah, I mean, are, are there any? Were there any performances that that weren't terribly disappointing for you? I mean, I thought Saka did his best to try and make something happen for the team, and, and Erdegaard tried a bit but wasn't at his best. Um,
1: yeah, it just didn't really click, did it? I mean, and then Saka produces that one moment of quality to put the ball on Nketiah's head, and I think Nketiah's phone must have gone off as he jumped for it or something. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's your agent, Eddie. Um, Crystal Palace, <laughs> wasn't he? Um, what? Uh, um, I, yeah, I like I said to you, mate, I kind of, I think that it was becoming more and more obvious to me the longer this game went on that we were not going to score um, and I was quite hungry so I was starting to think about dinner <laughs> and I didn't really want extra time and to be honest with you in a way when when Graban scores the goal I was like oh great at least I can go and eat in a minute um and I know that's the wrong thing to say on the podcast. But um But well it it's, just, it's it's a vibe
0: that quite a few people have echoed. So, yeah. That the game was so just tedious.
1: It it really was. And like you know, like I said, I'm not gonna sit here and hammer Arsenal because I think generally this season has been positive, you know. You only have to look at the league table to see that. Um but it equally was just I, th- I think well, what I'm saying is, it's a game that for me I can park and put it away, and it's you know it's an absolute bummer that we're not going to add number fifteen this season, but I'll get over it. <laughs> I think particularly um, bearing in mind upcoming fixtures, you know, I think that that's kind of the only thing for me is I felt like it would be good to um, go into the Tottenham game with a yeah yeah bit of you know, we were building up some really good momentum, and even even though we lost that game against Manchester City last week, the performance was really good. Um, and I would hate to think that this uh, non-performance that we had on Sunday might derail us. But then again, you know, as you said a minute ago, it was full of players that we haven't really used this season. So,
0: <laughs> I mean, it yeah. also was an illustration about with Afcon and how bare our squad is because mm. three players injured, and suddenly you're looking at it, going, oh Christ, who's going to?" Have we got a bench? You know, um, me, yeah. In in contrast to uh, to our next opponent's approach to dealing with such issues, uh, <laughs> which is particularly galling, given that obviously having a home league cup tie first would have would have been a much better against a, a team that's also struggling with absences would have been a much better match up for us to try and work out what we're going to do with midfield over the next couple of games. Um, but uh, you know, there we are. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I, I I don't think, I don't think those players who wanted moves away did themselves any great favours in this particular match. Uh, there were, there were some bullshit rumours beforehand about, about um, Simeone having a look at Cedric Suarez oh, yeah. to replace yeah, Kieran Trippier. But, uh, it's, it, almost immediately after the match finished, there was <laughs> stories coming out that, you no, know, he's moved on to a different fullback, different <laughs> um, which is hardly surprising for us. Eddie didn't do, Eddie worked reasonably hard, but didn't do himself any great favours. Uh, Martinez struggled a bit against the, the very impressive Jed Spence for Forest, who was strong and quick and physical. Um, and we just didn't really get a hold of the game I mean, obviously, we have a bit more possession and territory, but you'd expect that um, because particularly Forest are specifically a counter-attacking team this season. So, yeah, I guess it's one that we throw in the bin and move on, really, Um, and, and, and look forward to... Not having as much fixture congestion towards the end of the season as perhaps some of our rivals, you know, I, I put on Twitter afterwards, you know, one thing we can take from it is at least now when uh, the likes of Spurs and West Ham and Leicester and Villa and Liverpool you know, win their cup ties. We don't have to feel sick because we know it's going to give an extra game that we're not going to have to play with our small squad Uh and safe in the knowledge that Spurs won't win the cup regardless. So, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. So one thing that just popped into my head a few minutes ago, actually, I wonder that obviously we had the postponement on the 28th of the Wolves game and then the Liverpool postponement last week yeah. and I, I wonder whether I mean it kind of doesn't matter now but had those games gone ahead would some of the players that played on Sunday have had an opportunity um, Liverpool right it's Liverpool but it's a, it's also a cup game so there might have been an opportunity to give someone, someone like Cedric for example well it would have been an opportunity because Tomiyasu was injured right
0: well, from um, what, what I've heard is that Tomiato and Smith-Rowe, let's just say if it was a North London derby, they would both be in the matchday squad. Yeah. Um, um, but I totally agree with the point that you're making, that the, 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 the loss of fixtures against weakened opponents when you're playing really well is a bitch. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, even someone like Smith-Rowe, I think having him available on Sunday would have done so much to increase the directness and the speed of our performance because he is a direct and quick quick player. I'm not saying he would have rescued it on his own but I, we would have been better with him. And of course he's someone that probably would have played on Sunday if he'd been 100% fit because he's not had that exactly, much fo- yeah. he's not had that football recently. So I uh, uh, yeah like I said I one one of those um you know there are more important games immediately ahead of us.
0: Well, I mean, obviously there's the North London Derby, the six, the league six-pointer, particularly as Conte has got Spurs looking like something resembling a football team, you know, even if they are sort of a bit like last year's Spurs, which is sort of vaguely effective, bit cheaty, <laughs> um, not terribly exciting. But um, obviously we, we do have a cup semi-final on the horizon, which although it's the league cup and therefore not desperately exciting in the grand scheme of things, you know, we haven't won the League Cup since 1993, mm. and uh, and it'd be a better time of the season if we're going to have to play two legs semi final. We might as well try and win it. Uh, although, of course, uh, Liverpool miraculously have many more players available. <laughs> than I mean, without going okay. too down too far down a conspiracy rabbit hole, what's what's your thoughts on that?
1: Oh, it's shady as fuck, isn't it? I mean, what well, what else can you say about it? And bearing in mind the uh, the chair, chairman of the EFL used to be Liverpool's chief executive. <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I mean, they've tried something. They've got away with it. And ultimately, I, I mean, it, it would have been hilarious to have been given the first leg 3-0. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then lost 4-0 at Anfield. But um I think a cup semi-final at Anfield is probably... I Again, I, I'm not really that interested in talking about Liverpool did this, Liverpool did that. It's cup semi-final at Anfield. It's going to be exciting, hopefully. Um, I, I try, we were trying to work out on the call whether we think Arsenal have now got an advantage to play the second leg at home, or is it a bad thing? And I was thinking i was thinking about getting tickets for the first leg with my uh cousins and then i was like well what's the point in going to the first leg of the semi-final because like anything can happen in the second leg so in my own head at least i'm kind of glad that the second leg's now at home well for me it's a sort of situation where
0: all things being equal us having the second leg at home would be the advantage but obviously the fact that we've been fucked out of a uh a, f- a first leg at home against a massively weakened Liverpool team. Mm. <laughs> uh, it, make, it means that advantage has been usefully exorcised. I mean, it, it's it's sort of quite nice in a way because it's a, it's a semi-final. We want to win it, but equally, we're probably not that bothered as long as we don't get gubbed. We were probably most fans are probably still more worried about the North London derby uh, yeah. and Spurs the difficulty being of course that the fixtures are so close together
1: that you've got well and I think I think that's the other thing is actually when you think yeah um, but I think the other thing is um, actually when you look at the other semi-final um, and the possibility of a, I mean a cup final against Tottenham can you imagine how stressful that is going to be um, you know it's, yeah but imagine the payoff if it goes well <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very true. But, um, I, I, oh God, you've got, it's not just the game, it's the day of the game, it's the build up to the game, the amount of stress. I mean, Helen, Paul Helen, if if, if we were to get to that <laughs> final when it's Tottenham. I mean, oh, I just, so there's a bit of me that I, I never want to lose and I don't really ever like losing to Liverpool, but yeah. Um, there is a bit of me that thinks lo- losing to Liverpool is the least worst of the losing options that remain in this competition.
0: Well, for me, I wouldn't. I would almost prefer to lose to Chelsea now if it had to, if we had to lose. Partly because we've had the hoodoo sign over Chelsea in cup finals in recent years, so they're probably due one. Uh, but also. Just because of the, the way that Liverpool have conducted themselves in this, like I really want something bad to happen to them now. Like I like I I love the players, but I really hope that you know Salah and Mane pick up the sort of little lingering niggles in the in the AFCON that don't do them any serious harm or don't keep them doing any long term problems, but maybe fucks the rest of the Liverpool season because it's just I mean if Liverpool are being honest and, and what and what their version of events is as it happened, the sheer unlikeliness of that. I mean, I saw a statistic thing saying that, you know, that getting uh, one false positive PCR test is obviously extremely unlikely. Getting three full positive PCR tests is seven times less likely than winning the national lottery. Um, and we all know how <laughs> how easy yeah, that is. Indeed. And, uh all I can say is if 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 Liverpool's reporting of what happened is accurate, then I, I don't want to know which dodgy website they bought their bloody PCR tests from. But I'm but I might have a I might have a, an email about an African and a Nigerian general that I might send to Jurgen Klopp.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, it I mean it's just so obviously a shyster because of the way that also the way that it's been discussed. Um, yeah, it's bent as fuck, but what can you do? Uh, we all know that the football is has its corruptions around the corner, just like politics does, and everything else in life. Um, so, I really fucking hope we beat them. <laughs> yeah, uh, but obviously, obviously not at the expense of of, of of at least getting a draw against Spurs to keep to keep parity in the top four race. Um, I mean. It's, yeah, it's, it's the old concentrate on the league adage, isn't it, at this stage for us? And I guess it feels, that feels sort of too small for Arsenal as a club. But if you look at the size of our squad, you know, and we've now got the smallest squad of senior players um that we've had in quite a long time which makes perfect sense you you know when you're not in european football you should trim your squad and use it as an opportunity for renewal but just the timing with afcon and everything and a few uh, other things going around mean that it's a, an unusually small squad um and so we i guess we just got to squeeze every last drop na- out of the next couple of weeks out of these players in the knowledge that because they're out of the FA Cup, they then got oh, the best part of two weeks off before their next game um, to, to put their feet up and, you know, maybe maybe go off to, to the Middle East somewhere and jump around in swimming pools and feel better about life. As that seems to be the way that Premier League clubs run things. I mean, any, any thoughts that you've got looking forward to the League Cup uh, fixtures, any players you want wrapped in cotton wool or what do you, I mean, for the game at Anfield, what do you think the team will be, particularly given that we've got Spurs on the
1: oh horizon? God. I uh, I have no idea, I mean well, if Granit Xhaka is available, I presume he'll have to play, won't he? Because we can't go to Liverpool and play Patino and Lukonga again I mean, even allowing for the fact that Liverpool will probably rotate that just... Feels a bit stupid,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, also the fact that Liverpool lets um, say, but
1: they but then pulled a fast one suggests
0: they want to go slightly stronger this game than they might have otherwise have done,
1: yeah. Um, I, I, I guess ideally Smith Rowe would play and Saka might come out. Um, I think Saka, I feel like, has had quite a lot of football over the Christmas period, um. It's just, uh, (laughs) I don't know. Do you you pick Enketia again or do you just forget about him and play Lacazette? Um, Martinelli, I'm I'm just going to sit here shouting random Arsenal player. (laughs) Uh,
0: I'd stick with Enketia because ultimately we need Lacazette for the Spurs game because Lacazette. Inform so much of what's been working in the way that we've been playing recently, and also, you know, it's it's hard to judge a striker that we know has limitations, but hard to judge a striker on one game uh, away in a cup when the team's playing like toilet. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I've, I I think he's got enough about him to trouble the defense. I mean, whether
1: yeah, so I think Gabriel will almost certainly come back in, and I. I don't know whether Ben White get gets the day off. I mean, given how Rob Holding played um, on Sunday, I'd, I'd be inclined to go with Gabriel and Ben White because at least then you've got a solid base. Um, and I, I mean, again, I, I don't necessarily think Arteta will do it, but I'd actually put Ramsdale and goal just because I think he's important to the way Arsenal play.
0: Yeah, I, um, I think I think that would probably. I don't think Arto do because I think they put him in a difficult situation because, you know, clubs very much have this cup goalkeeper thing.
1: Um, yeah, I just, I, uh, I really, you know, we don't need to keep going on about how Helen and I felt about Aaron um, Ramsdale in the summer. But really, when this guy came in, and from almost from the first minute, he he was in the in the nets for us. He was su- it's such a different presence. Um, in goal compared to Leno. And there's a forcefulness to him that he brings to bear on the Arsenal team. There's the way he comes and gets the ball. There's the contribution in terms of his distribution going, uh, going forward. Um, we can't go back when you're in goal, can you? <laughs> um, but, not advisable, no. <laughs> no. Uh, so I, I totally... It's not like if Arteta puts Leno out there tomorrow night, I'm going to go, oh, God, what's he done that for? Of course I understand it. I just think when you're close to a cup semi-final and it's up at Liverpool, it might not be the worst idea in the world. But maybe that's just thinking short-term. But then again, I think Leno's probably gone in the summer anyway. So what odds does it make?
0: Well, I, I mean, it's a bit for me. It's a bit like letting Ainsley go. It's there are certain things that if you've made an agreement, you know, like a bit like my industry. You know, players talk, and if you break your word too often, you get yourself in trouble. You know, players won't come and play for you. Players mm-hmm. won't, that damages you, and it starts to affect the rest of the squad. And, and obviously, with a few. Few bumps in the road in terms of squad harmony and and people perhaps being frozen out. Uh, I, I guess in, if you've not been given a reason to to go back on your word, you probably shouldn't. But I mean, it is frustrating at this time where you know there are players who haven't had much game time that now there's be a great opportunity for them to have game time. They're not available. You know, obviously Ainsley want, was adamant he wanted to go in January, even though he knew Afcon was coming up. And so, um, you know, if the player wants to leave, I suppose you can't do a huge amount about it, but it, it, it's yeah. I'm, like the I'm, one. season. He might've got four or five games in a row Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah. the same with, you know, Pepe going to AFCON at a time when we desperately need to arrest Saka. Um, you know, I mean, we, we knew about these things in advance. And uh, that's kind of why I wasn't so heartbroken about the forest, because I was worried about it in advance because I just looked at the resources we had. And you know, before I even knew about some of the people who were absent, and I just thought we're a bit too thin at the moment. And it, from a strategic perspective, makes perfect sense. And I think if we were, I think if the club had known that we were challenging for top four rather than top six at this point in the season, they might have made side, slight, slight, they might have recruited one, two extra bodies in the summer, um, just, just in certain. Yeah. Uh, you know, and obviously if you knew you were going to be in a cup a two-legged cup semi-final at a crunch point in the season, you might might have taken that mm-hmm. into account. You know, you might not have agreed certain loan deals, etc., etc., etc. But you know, post-event wisdom is always very easy. Um, I mean, I know you've got to shoot off in a minute, so just before we wrap up, uh I know that you hate talking about transfer speculation, so we're not gonna get into it too deeply, but it is transfer window time. As we know, as with Yes. Um mm. I mean what For you, what's the biggest priority, centre midfield or centre forward, for this transfer window specifically?
1: Centre forward, I think. I I think if Lacazette gets injured, we are... um, (laughs) Son's pedal? Indeed. (laughs) Exactly exactly that. Um, You know, we know we're going to have... Partey and El Neni back. back. Um, well, Partey might be back uh, in the next week, I believe. Depending on what happens, I think uh, Ghana lost the first game, didn't they? They're favourites for their next two group games, though. So, oh, okay, let's not get too excited then. But um, I mean, I, I mean, to me, in a way, they're both <laughs> they're pretty important positions, aren't they? I mean. We are literally one granite Xhaka red card or injury away from Patino and Lokonga in central midfield um, at Tottenham, which is, you know, Spurs are shit and all that, and they get battered everywhere they go. Um, But it's not really a prospect that fills me with a deep amount of joy. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but... um, Let's just say, under those circumstances,
0: I'd almost be tempted to do what they were reportedly thinking about for the weekend and putting Kolasinac in central midfield just as a beast to go around
1: shit-kicking. Well, Um, yeah, I I guess Ben White could play there in theory, um, but then you're taking him out of the defence and he's formed a good partnership with Gabriel. So. I mean I am I'm, I'm only sort of 75% joking. Yeah, yeah, no I was there was a story that. about
0: about that and there was look, there was some really shit journalism of people going, well, you know, why would you do that? It's insane. Classnetz has never played in midfield. And I so had to stop myself writing back to and saying, actually he has played in central midfield. He started out largely in central midfield and has actually played international football in central midfield. (laughs) He may not be what we think of a central midfielder because most central midfielders can pass, but he he has played in that role (laughs) to a much higher level than any of the other options currently available to us in the absence of Granit Xhaka.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think so, you know, but we know Ben White can go and play there if we need him to. Um, He hasn't played... There for us at all since he arrived, but um, don't do it very often
0: for Leeds either.
1: Yeah, of, so he, he yeah. doesn't—he doesn't feel like an ideal solution. And like I say, the idea of taking out the—I I just think, to me, I, it's interesting that Ainsley was allowed to go at the weekend, and there isn't someone lined up to come in in, in centre mid because Mikel Arteta is not daft, and he must. He's very aware that we are very thin in central midfield. I mean, I know we've talked in the past, or I have. Maybe you can change the shape and play Erdegaard and Smith Rowe ahead of um, a holding midfielder. But I think we'll go to a back five. Yeah, yeah. So there are options, but it just seems to me when we've you know we've got the basis of, of a good side at Arsenal now that to make changes. Um, like those, they might end up being counterproductive.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose what this window ideally we want is any signings we make to be either loan signings or bringing forward people who wanted to buy in the summer. Now, the latter is very difficult because most players don't want to move to the summer. Most clubs certainly don't want to part with their better players until the summer, unless there are contract issues. In the same way that... If we bring in another striker, I suspect Eddie Nketiah might find himself at Crystal Palace. Um, this it, is it's the reason why we've got a chance on Vlahovic because uh, his contract runs out in eighteen months, and Fiorentina know that the price is only going to keep coming down, and they want to get him. They want to sell him while the price is high, and they also would quite like to keep Lucas Torreira. Thank you very much. Uh, the issue mm. may be more to do with the player having you know having had the second best calendar year in Serie A in many years would probably quite like to move to a team that's guaranteed to be in the Champions League rather than the one that's team that's fighting for the Champions League and certainly is going to want probably more money than we would be comfortable paying uh, uh, straight out. Um, But, you know, there is going to be some compromise. If you want to buy someone in January, you do have to spend a bit more money. Um, You know, it's possible we might look at some of those midfielders whose contracts are running out in the summer. I mean, we've been linked with Zakaria from mentioned Gladbach, whose contract's out in the summer. He obviously plays in midfield a lot with Xhaka for Switzerland. For me, he's a very inconsistent player. So, you know, if he's going to be taking on the El Nini role, I'll be happy with that. But, and I think that's also an illustration of why striker is the greatest priority because in midfield, we have a central, we have, we have a first choice midfield two who may not be perfect, but they're good enough for the level we're at at the moment when they're both available particularly as a partnership um you know granite Jacker isn't everyone's cup of tea but with him and party are a good partnership they've shown that whenever they get a game games together but at center forward we we're sort of making doing mending which yeah. sounds, it sounds ridiculous when you've got a squad with 100 million pounds of center forward talent in it but you know we don't know what the hell's going to happen with abami you'd think it's very unlikely he's going to go anywhere else because of his wages so we, and we don't know what's happened is, you know, was there something something going on in, in his personal life? Was it something that he, the managers banished him for a bit? Is it that he was really pissed off about having the captaincy taken off him and didn't, didn't want to play for a bit? We just don't know. It could be in any or any combination of those scenarios. Um, but I would be surprised if he has played his last game for Arsenal simply because I don't think there's a really easy exit route. But yeah. if there is someone willing to take him off our hands uh, without us having to subsidise too much of his wages, that frees us up to make a bigger splash in January. So there's, I mean, either way, we'll be bringing someone in because some combination of inketia Lacazette and Aubameyang will be leaving in the summer and uh, La- Nketiah apart. There's quite a lot of wages there. Um, so I, I hope we'll be able to do something. And, and, and in midfield, as I say, there's a few clubs around Europe. We've got players that, uh, shall we say are approaching Bosman. So you might be able to get prior to their Bosman, um, but you know, with a small fee, um, probably not players you'd want to be your upgrade, but, but they would be upgrades over Elneny for instance. So if, if you were looking to bring something, do that business in the summer, you could probably bring that forward without too much difficulty, but it just depends if you can get someone better on loan, um, and the same applies to the striking position. Yes, I mean we know who we want, but if we can't get them, do we do we revisit the the Jovic loan from Real Madrid? I don't know, but uh, I'd be astonished if we don't end the transfer window with at least a couple more bodies arriving.
1: Yeah, did you see the uh, story about uh, Arsenal might be about to offer Lacazette a two year extension? <laughs>
0: Well, there's been lots of stories around that that are kind of going one year, two year, three year, you know. Um, I mean, the club probably want to give him one year. He probably, quite understandably, with his last big contract, wants more than one year. <laughs> and particularly while he's in he recognises that he's kind of more important to the club than he has been in a little while. So why the hell would he accept being mugged off? Um depending on what the wages are, if he takes a slight wage reduction, it wouldn't be the end of the world. You know, the fact is that we all know that Lacazette isn't isn't first-choice striker at Arsenal. Um, but any decision you make on that depends on what's happening with Aubameyang, doesn't it? You know, if Aubameyang's staying, you kind of have to let Lacquer go because mm. you need to spend that that wage money on, on someone else who you want as a slightly more long-term solution if you can get that player in. Uh, if Aubameyang goes, and it makes sense to keep Lacazette because otherwise you've got no striker at the club who knows how to play first-team football for the club.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Do you think that the time will prove a healer with Aubameyang and there there will be a route back for him? Or,
0: Well, I just think that there's going to have to be. You know, uh, a bit like the Ozil situation, I don't see anyone taking him off our hands without asking, asking for us to basically pay for his wages for that time. And with a year and a half left, that's a lot of money for no asset. Mm. Uh, And and the fact is, is yes, he's not the player he was a couple of years ago in terms of what he's been producing for us, but, you know, he could, he'd still be a better upfront option than Eddie Nketiah in a lot of, in a lot of situations. And he'd still be, a possible alternative on the left to Martinelli in a lot of situations. So he would still have value and short and, yeah. and with a year and a half left on his contract, you know, the club can't afford to just bin him in the reserves for, for 18 months and the player can't really afford to just be picking splinters out of his ass for 18 months. So there's so either he'll be out the door or there'll be some kind of healing because there just has to be because to let it just rumble on for the rest of his contract, fucks everyone. No one gets anything out of it except for his bank manager. You know, Abamian yeah, doesn't, I, sp- I, doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to be happy sitting on his ass for a year and a half.
1: It's funny, isn't it? Because I think that Mesut made all those noises about I'm not going anywhere, I'll stay here till the end of my contract and then obviously it became apparent to him that wasn't going to be possible. Um, it's kind of... <laughs> Yeah, I mentioned it uh, last week, the, the speed of the full fall from grace of Aubameyang. And it's like that Tottenham game where he was absolutely brilliant. Hmm. It was only three months
0: ago. Well, that's also another reason why I think that there must be a route to reconciliation, because this is something that is, obviously there's been a festering of the issue of, you know, indiscipline yeah. or whatever else has been going on. But there's only really been a couple of flashpoints, and and up to that point, he's been involved to some degree all the time. Whereas Özil was already, you know, it was selection hokey-cokey. He was having injuries. Uh, he was not really contributing for quite a period before he got binned off. Um, so. It, 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 you know, if, if it was to go the same way with over, it would be much more dramatic than... Urzel was a slow, steady descent into madness. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this is more of a sharp, sharp blow to the head.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Halloween or apocalypse now. <laughs>
0: yes. yes. Quite.
1: Quite. Gosh, yes. As Colonel Kurtz. <laughs> <laughs> We're just giving you the title of... The Horror, The Horror... horror. horror. Oh, I love that film. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's
0: hope that it's not one that springs to mind after either of the upcoming fixtures.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, this is going to be fun to revisit next week, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, normally, I ask you for prediction at this stage, but I think this it's it's too scary. I'm not going to.
1: Okay, fine. I'm not going this, to. Von's...
0: Well, also because we have no idea. <laughs> Who's going to be available for selection for either team at this
1: rate? <laughs> yeah, so it becomes slightly meaningless in that context. I, I here's a prediction for tomorrow: there will be a football match. So yeah, because well, <laughs> there has been suggestion, wasn't it, that
0: if Arsenal lose any more numbers, they might have to do a Liverpool to Liverpool, which would be hilarious. Um, but uh, I think. Yeah, our noises Arteta's making is kind of like if we can cobble together a team we're going to play unless unless literally we, we don't have enough warm bodies
1: um. it's quite funny actually I was just being up in Leeds at the weekend um, chatting to my mates who are a mixture of Leeds Manchester United and Liverpool um, firmly Northern Oh, and West Ham, I forget Mikey. But all of them were actually, um, particularly the Leeds fans were saying to me um how much credit they thought set setters actually earned by not making those excuses and not calling for postponements. Whereas I think there are managers with a bit more experience. Um in southwest London and Liverpool to name names <laughs> who have been like, oh we can't play, we haven't you know, and they've got massive spots to cool on as well. Um, I, I know. I mean Chelsea doing it was particularly disgusting. It's kind of like come on, guys. Yeah. Guys. <laughs>
0: you've got you, you've you've got
1: a elite talent coming out of every fucking poor <laughs> Oh it's a disgrace. Did you see the Amari Hutchinson goal the other night? Was it last, last night? night? against Chelsea yeah. for
0: the under-21s in the Papa John's Trophy. Yeah. Suitably lush. And I, I noticed you, he's been working on his celebration too. <laughs> oh, I, did, I didn't watch to the celebration. I'll have to go back and have... A bit of somersault action. But, another look. Uh, yeah, no. Oh, it, was, it was a classic Amari Hutchinson goal. You know, beats a couple of people up on the right flank, cuts, cuts on his left foot, bends it into the far corner. That's kind of what he's been doing at that level um, and certainly under 18 level for the last year and a half or so. Um, a bit like Saka, he's someone that played quite a bit left wing back at the previous times. Um, and he's a player that, unlike Saka, you know, which is one of the things that Saka had a, above a lot of his peers, is Saka was both technically and physically ready at quite a young age, whereas I think Hutchinson is, isn't going to be physically ready just yet because he's grown a bit in the last couple of years and needs to fill out a bit, you know, in the same way that has obviously got lovely touch, but it's a, (laughs) it's a thin streak of piss, (laughs) you know, in the same way that I was when I was 18. He's got the same physique. (laughs)
1: Um, They were the days.
0: days, Yeah. Long gone, long gone. Um, Now I'm, now I'm a thin streak of piss with bulgy bits. uh, But the, uh, you know, there was a, it was a very, Good performance in the under 21s It helped by Chelsea getting a man sent off for a professional foul, you know, towards the end of the first half. Um, uh, By which time Arsenal won up. Unfortunately, James Oli Inker scored and then got yet another bad injury. He had to be stretched off, which has been kind of the story of his last couple of years. You know, he had that wonderful pre-season goal two or three years ago and he's basically been injured for half the time since then, uh, including ruining a couple of loan spells which has been really unfortunate for his development and an immediate career then Chelsea scored down the other end following like a clear foul on the Arsenal player where basically the bloke had the ball and Chelsea player just kicked his leg and the referee ignored it and someone else picked up the ball and ran through and scored and uh and then uh, Mika Biareth with a lovely composed finish, which is what he's been doing at that level since he joined from Fulham in the summer. Uh, he's definitely shown a calmness in the penalty area, which is, uh, bodes well for his future because he was, uh, he made it to the bench for the, for the forest game as well as, as did Hutchison. And then, uh, last goal was scored by Marcelo Flores, New Mexico international, uh, who, uh, did his hit another trademark celebration from him leaping sideways into the air and then spinning over. But a nice finish for the goal and nearly got a second which was cleared off the line. So it was pretty comprehensive.
1: Um, seemed... Sorry, what are you going to say, Paul? No, I was just going to say, it must be my age, but seeing players celebrate like that gives me the heebie-jeebies, I'll tell you.
0: Well, I mean, let's face it, when we first, first started watching football, the only one who did that was like Peter Begri. And we all thought it was amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think when Daniel Amakachi came to Everton, I think he did somersaults. So I don't know if I've misremembered that.
0: Well, that was a little bit later, but yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah of course, of course. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, no, it was Peter Beagree and then and, and then the African contingent going, oh, oh, actually, people can do this shit. And now every second kid thinks they can have a pump. <laughs> There's no right. fucking way I'd be doing it. I'd kill myself. Yeah. Anyway, on that lighter note, I think it's a good enough time as any to round up. I know you've got to go back to work and and your daily crust. Yeah. Um, yes. Because sadly. sadly, listeners, this is not a massive income generator for us, as you do. <laughs> <You'd be laughs> shocked to know. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, I guess we'll end it there. Uh, we'll have a lot to talk about, a lot to talk about in next week's podcast, which will be coming out a bit earlier than this week's. Um, so please do get in touch with us at Daily Canon on Twitter if you've got any questions for us, or you can at myself or Paul uh, uh, on Twitter as well. Our, our Twitter handles will be in the uh, link description, whatever you call it, depending on how you access your, your podcasts. Um, so do get in touch with any questions if you want uh, we, always, we always like being, being made to think different things by anyone who's patient enough to listen to us wittering on um, and let's just really hope that somehow we win the next two games because that would be really nice <laughs>
1: it's hoping
0: alright well cheers again Paul thank you mate and thank you listeners for getting this far and have a lovely rest of the week and weekend cheerio Bye.